Hey, this is Ryan Fitzpatrick, and you are listening to the EA Podcast with Eric Allen. Take it away, EA. All right, we're taping here on Cyber Monday. Does Bart Scott participate in any Cyber Monday deals? What is Cyber? Oh, buying stuff online. Yeah. Well, you know what? I stayed in the city because I had to do the turkey show. Sure. So I stayed there with the family, and you know, I, I'm done. I'm done. You're done. I'm done, really. I mean, I ain't got nobody other than what my nieces my nieces may want. I just tell their parents go uh, find it, or I'll, I'll you know pay for um, a gift certificate at Toys R Us, and then they go at the Toys R Us where they're at, and they pick up the kids' stuff. And my kids are done. Yeah, you know, I started with my daughter. You know, maybe in September, because I got tired of the whole rush, because I always say, I'm going to go. And then, you know, December, from Thanksgiving to December goes fast. Once those two weeks you miss, yeah. you think you have time, you look up, Christmas right around the corner. And I don't feel like fighting with people in the lines for stuff and going all those crazy crowds. So I went, and I got, I went to Microsoft, and I got some stuff. I got the virtual reality stuff for my daughter, I mean, for my for the kids. Then my son is young, so I went and got the F1 clip-on steering wheel, the real one that jerks. You know what I mean? They have, like, a, a Xbox when you clip it on, but it gives you that torque, like when you're sitting at the games at the at the, um, at the uh, arcade. Yeah, so he's big in those racing games? Yeah, but then it's good for my son because now I can I can put the steering wheel at his height and he can actually touch the pedals. What happens is, you know, when you know, we have an arcade game, a Nickelodeon one, but it's too far because he's only three. But now I can set the table as low as I want and he can drive and have fun and play all the race car games that come on Xbox. So you guys, when you were in the city and you taped on uh, Thursday, you were on live. No tape, we super live. You were on live. Then uh, take me through uh, the day, uh, Thursday night with the family. Well, uh, well, you know, we just hung out this time. Yeah. I mean, you know, we usually have a, a, a big thing with the family, but, you know, we want to just try something different. Let's hang out in the city. Let's do some fun stuff. Let's go and explore the city. And, um, you know, it, it was fun. It was different. Um, you know, next year we may go back, but we like to, you know, keep it fun, keep it exciting. You know, I mean, sometimes, you know, when you live here, sometimes your family, you know, where you're from kind of gets jealous if mom always comes down for Thanksgiving with me and yeah. always spends with me. So I gave everybody, let, let the mom spend time with the family this time. Next time she come back with me, kind of alternate holidays. And we're trying something different. We're trying to really find our new tradition in our family. I think I'm going to do like a pre-Christmas, like invite people over like on, uh, what's the... Um, Chevy Chase movie where you come over and the squirrel was in the Christmas tree. National Lampoon. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Natural Lampoon. Put one of those things. Like, let's, let's, I'm trying to get my Wally and the Beeb game on. You do you do? I mean? Are you one of those guys who, because you got a nice house here in Jersey. We're not going to tell people where it is, but do you decorate uh, the outside with crazy amount of Christmas lights? Yeah, I'm not that guy, man. No? Like, I'm not going to get up. I'm too busy. Um, but I do go all in with the Christmas tree. The Christmas tree is usually a minimum of 14 feet. Wow. You know what I mean? I put every bulb in on there. It's a, it's a process. You know what I mean? Um, I do that. I'll, I'll do the inside. When do you get the and tree? I, I'm, I'm a real Christmas tree guy, too, man. I don't do the fake Christmas tree because, you know, my mother never got a fake Christmas tree, and I love the smell of the fresh Christmas no tree, and you can the imagine pine? a 14-foot Christmas tree, you know, the, the aroma that it puts throughout the house. It just you puts pull, you in that mood. you put color lights on, or uh, sometimes, just the some, some, Sometimes my wife likes the white, sometimes. So this is what happens I a lot like of times. White. Sometimes we do the white, and we got, the, like, the glass bulbs, the real glass bulbs, not that fake plastic stuff from Home Depot. We got, like, the Pier 1 
different like squirrels and animals made out of glass, very delicate. So now, because I have a three-year-old, we had to start like those a little higher off his reach. So we may start that at like four feet. So we got 10 feet of glass. And at the bottom, we do the candy canes. We'll, we'll put a couple of the plastic ones from Home Depot in there just to kind of fill it up because he'll come grab it off. He wants to grab all the animals. He wants to eat all the candy canes off the tree and all that stuff. So, you know, we keep it that way. But, you know, and sometimes the kids love the lights. You know, they don't understand moms wants the tree to be. A, it's a it's a it's a style thing yeah. for moms. You know what I mean? So sometimes we get a second Christmas tree Ooh. and we put it in a corner and we put all the kids' gifts there. And we let them decorate it however they want to do it. And that's usually about an eight foot tree. Do you put ornaments on a fourteen foot tree? Yeah, it's mass. Yeah, hundreds. Now, do you, do you get up on a, a ladder? ladder? Yes. Yeah. And sometimes putting a star, because I don't have a, I have like a 10-foot ladder, you know, so then, you know, you got to think the tree is super full, a 14-foot tree, so I have to reach, you know, 10-foot, you know, I'm, my wingspan is 8 feet, right? But when you up on the top, you have to reach forward, so you got to account for that feet because the distance is usually about 2 feet away from the ladder when it's that tall. Right, because yeah. you know you're at the top of the tri the, tri- the, the triangle, and you know I, I had a couple close calls. Did you? Yeah, but I tell you what, the industrial stand is so strong that if I had to jump and grab the tree, it would hold me up too. Like the the, the stand is ridiculous, man. It's like a heavy duty stand, and it has like the really thick support beams that, for the anti flipping yeah. that you have to like bolt on. So like the base is super wide already, but then you bolt on the four like legs. They stop it from How tall is the ceiling? If that's a 14-foot Oh, my ceiling? Yeah. Probably about uh, 40 feet. Oh. About 40. Wow. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Right. We got nice. Hey, we, got, you, we got the space. Did you guys see the tree in the city? No, they, they, do that, they do that Wednesday. The official light. Oh, the so it's Wednesday. still coming up. Because yeah. I passed Rock Center last week. Yeah, they, they got it all lit up, but they don't do the official lighting of the tree till Wednesday. Be, uh, and it was actually in... Which is my wife's birthday, which was a nice romantic moment. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Passive Rock Center, and they were getting all prepared for the tree. Because yeah. the tree is there right yeah, now. Yeah, it takes forever. Yeah, of course. It takes forever to do that tree, man. So uh, they got to test it out a couple of times. You know I actually mean? interviewed uh, Commissioner Goodell the other day because we have a Brandon Marshall feature that is going to be on Jet Life Saturday night at 11.30 nice. p.m. He's a busy man. Yeah. Um, but uh, Roger has gotten close with Brandon over the years. You know, uh, 2006, Brandon was a rookie in the National Football League. and I, th- I keep forgetting that, man. He seems so much older than that. <laughs> That was seems like he's been around forever, man. It seems like yeah. you know, like he was in Denver with them ugly socks. You know what I mean? When they used to wear the throwbacks, like forever. Right, and that was the commissioner's first year. Ah, uh, two thousand six. So that was uh, before the bear hug. Uh, before he started hugging everybody, right? <laughs> you don't like the bear hug? No, it's cool. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's, it's intimate. You know what I mean? But it may be the last time that you want to hug the commissioner. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Once you get them fined, you might want to. You know, the last thing you want to do is a hug. If you find you take some of your money. But Brandon is a great story, I think, for a lot of young it's a renaissance young man. guys because uh, 2008 suspended a lot of off the field trouble. Yep. And then Had to learn. In two, before us. 2011, he checked himself into McLean Hospital, got the help he needed, diagnosed with borderline personality disorder, then found his platform, his cause that he wanted to help people. And, I, and, he's, look, and he's championed it in, in, a, in a tremendous way. You know, he's very involved. He's a very articulate, uh, very thoughtful, 
um, individual. And you see that sometimes when you see the inside the NFL. And, you know, to be able to work on his post-career during his career, I think he's the first player that ever dared to have that conversation and utilize his off, his, his off day to really, you know, work. And I think that was part of the appeal of coming here with the New York uh, Jets so that he can shoot that show because the, the year before he was flying in to do it. And, um, you know, he's a renaissance man. You talk about a guy who has, you know, training facilities. You know, he tried to uh, start his own agency. I mean, you, you, you want somebody that's always thinking about the next move, and he's definitely a chess player. You know, I, I respect him a lot. I wonder what he was like when he, he was a young guy because the thing about – They're all wild. The thing about Brandon, though, that I don't think uh, people maybe on outside realize is that he's like you in the sense that really bright. He understands a lot of things in different areas. He gets it, and I think sometimes he gets it, but sometimes he was having lapses in judgment because of the undiagnosed, you know, mental. And when people hear, it's really, really taboo in the black community to really admit mental, you know, health issues. And it's, it's different degrees of it, right? Yeah. A lot of yeah. us are bipolar. We have no idea until we get diagnosed. And sometimes we have these thoughts. It, it takes a real man to look at himself and say, listen, I need help. I don't know what's wrong, but I'm I am dedicated to figuring out what's wrong. And not only to champion it for yourself, but to make sure you make other people aware of your process and what you did to liberate them to feel comfortable enough to go out. I'm sure he's inspired a lot of people that wouldn't have gotten diagnosed and went and, you know, um, talked to somebody, be it a therapist or anything, if he hadn't stepped out yeah, and created this Yeah, if you're a young platform. kid right now. Or a young you, player, no matter what. Sometimes that can be a lonely feeling. Yeah. You know, for you to be wake up and be depressed and not really be understand why. Yeah. Or why you make some of the decisions you make or why you feel the way you feel. And, you know, for me it was a real issue because my, my niece is bipolar. Really? And sometimes you don't recognize it. People just say, oh, he's just, she's just bad. It's so dismissive. The easiest thing to do is just to say, oh, that person's crazy, without really trying to understand what the issue is. And a lot of times it is an issue, but we don't want to diagnose it. We want, don't want to accept that something be wrong with our child, that everything may not be correct. And it's small things that we can do to correct it, be it therapy, be it medication, you know, be it anything. There's a lot of different techniques, but it's, it has to be a lonely feeling to have these feelings and people to be dismissive of it. Yeah. You know, and I mean, I, I applaud him. I applaud him for going out and not only getting himself checked out, but liberating others to do the same. Um, inside the NFL, I was flipping through the stations uh, last week, and you made an appearance on Inside the NFL. Well, was they that call, a guest appearance? Well, they, call, they called in Wild Thing <laughs> because it was the bye week, and they was like, listen, let's call in Wild Thing. We know he's going to stir the pot. You know, but we need to stir the pie. Brandon Marshall, because of the bye week, they had practice on Tuesday. Yeah. So I was like, hey, you know, I'll go in. I stirred the pot. May feel really uncomfortable. You know what I mean? You know, have some fun. And it was a great experience. Did you like it? Is this something that you'll do in the future? Well, because I start, I start, you know what? I feel, I, I feel like inside the NFL, which I talked to Brandon about this when we were young. I had to watch that show because that's the only it's a legacy show. That is the only show where you could get highlights of every game. Yeah. I used to watch with my father either Friday night at seven PM or Saturday morning they had it, on, it was on, on HBO. T- at ten AM. Right. Nick Bonacani, Len Dawson, Collinsworth came later. Yeah. But it's Bonacani nice and Dawson. Yeah, man, I tell you what, man, and 
you know, it's a great show. It's a legacy show. It's, it's one of the staples of the NFL when you think about it. You think about the voice of the person, you know, yeah. talking and breaking it down. You know, it's like one of those voices like the James Earl Jones and, and Darby. It's classic. You know, people look for The it. voice of God. Yeah, exactly. Godfrey's not here. <laughs> you know, and it was, it was fun. You know, and I've done a lot of that throughout the years, even when I was a player. You know, I've had a lot of experience on Inside the NFL um, even before I ever got hired by CBS. I've probably been on Inside the NFL maybe about six or seven times. You know, so it was comfortable. And just think, it's the guys I work with anyway. So is that part of your contract? No, no, it's not. They just just needed somebody to come in. It's a totally different producer. And, um, you know, I'm always – I love to be able to get in that environment because I'm a little – bit less restricted because I can, it's cable and I can be myself a little bit more. But even though I make them uncomfortable, I like rattling the cage, you know, but I don't know if Inside NFL is ready for me every week. How about that Inside I don't know if they NFL? can handle the truth. How challenging do you think that – I don't think you could have done it when you were a player, like what Brandon's doing. Yeah, I mean, he, he was cutting edge, and now he – he kind of sets the blueprint for other players to be able to have those conversations. Would you like to see more guys? It's it, Listen, it's a very, very fine line yeah. because you're a player, but you're criticizing players on the same time and potentially could be criticizing your teammates or being asked questions with your teammates. But they do, Pete Radovich is the, is the producer over there. He does a great job yeah, he's in good. making sure that you watch that t- walk that tightrope. Yeah, we had a chance to go watch him. This is part of the feature that will appear on Jet Life. We'll also have uh, some uh, sneak previews on all our social platforms. Oh, and you'll see it on NewYorkJets.com and things like that because we spent a day. Did they, did they check out my David Harris interview we, on we Jets.com? Yeah, Jets.com, that's going up on NewYorkJets.com. Oh, it's not up yet? No, it's going on NewYorkJets.com. You were on the TV this weekend. Oh, that's right. You were said, Dude, this is Bart Scott in New York. Set, Thursday, here, here's your rundown. Thursday, you're on live for Thanksgiving. It's uh, Minnesota and Dallas, so you're there pregame, halftime, and closing thoughts. Then, Saturday night, you're on Jet Life with your sit-down interview with your boy, your good friend. Black Hammer. David Harris. Sunday morning, you are with us on um, Jet Jet Flight Plan doing the video. And then, you're back on... NFL Today on Sunday. Just trying to catch Boomer. It, and then that was after a week where we saw you on Inside NFL. Dude, you're all over the place. Trying to build and you also going to find you on the Jets Podcast Network right here. with me. This, this is where we get it popping at right here. Each and every week. So uh, we got to, uh, we got to switch this to, to like a call-in podcast with fans. I like in. that. You know I mean? we Would you get, be open to that in 2017? We, we got we to get like a Jacoby and Jalen? Jalen. Jacoby and Jalen. And we need to go all – we might need to go in all year. We might have to get some special permission from the Jets to make sure that we can just make it about everything. We might need to get our own podcast. Where They might have to liberate you to be able to do your own thing I in like spare that. time so we can really cut down to the chase and really break everything down from hockey to baseball to sports to life. No. And people call in and we give them the business. I like the call-in aspect of the show, and I do think Keep that – Keep it on the toes. Just like we started way back in the day, barking with Bart. I had you and Marcus. You probably don't even remember this. I had you, I begged Marcus you and Marcus Douglas, Douglas to Marcus come Douglas. up to do a radio interview with us at Cortland. Yeah. And then I begged you. I said, Bart, you know, I would really like you to do a radio show. And you said, yeah, I'll think about it. I'll think about it. Then we did it, and we taped it audio-wise. And I said, well, let's just make it. Let's just bring out the cameras and make this a show. And then Barkin' with Bart was born. And then 
NFL Network, which just started out at the time, said, yeah. "Oh, this is so good. We got to take a, we got to make a separate segment off of this each week." I, you know, I remember <laughs> that, and it's funny because Drew Kaliski, who's my producer now, he always says "barking with Bart." Does he really? you know, Because he was working for Inside, I mean, for the NFL Network at that time. Barking with Bart, yeah. So listen, I'm talking to our executive producer Chris Gargano about uh, more TV opportunities for Bart Scott in 2017. With no, the for Jets. us. Yeah. We a package, baby. I like that. I like that. Hey, uh, did you watch Michigan State and not Michigan State, I'm sorry. Because they Ohio played Penn State. State. In Ohio, Ohio State, State and Michigan. Michigan. Double want, overtime. Now, was it a classic? I missed, the, I, I missed the double overtime, but I, it, it was one of those ones that goes with the rivalry. Think about David Boston and Woodson going at it, throwing open hand punches. You know, it was one of those things. I, I wish Michigan would have won because, you know, I got a lot of, you know, friends that coach on their coaching staff, but also. Do you? Yeah, yeah. You know, um, B. Smitty's there. Is he? Yeah, he, he works for, he works there. He uh, left Brian, Kelly. Brian Smith, former yep. Jets assistant here. For a long time, yeah. former Jets assistant. On both assistant. sides of the ball. Yep, so you got Jet Fish, right, yep. there too. He was the coordinator. He was the quarterback's coach when I was in Baltimore. You have Greg Madison, who was my linebacker coach with the Ravens, and then he was the coordinator, defense coordinator for one year with the Ravens. Then he went back to Michigan. He was a coordinator for Michigan, but now he's the D-line coach there. Me and Tyrone Wheatley are friends. You got Harbaugh. You know, I'm friends with the Harbaugh family because I played for his Baltimore. brother. Right, so I was always around those guys. His dad, you know, we competed against each other. His dad's a longtime head coach at the D1AA level for the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers, who's now like D1 uh, now, but he was there for that time, so I, I'm very connected with the Michigan program. How good I'm all over the place, man. Yeah, I know octopus. that. You really are. Octopus. How good of a coach, and you told us before, so New Yorkers can rest it easy tonight, that he's never leaving New York. Yeah, I'm here. He loves it. I'm a Yorker. He's Detroit born and yeah. bred, but yeah. he's a New Yorker now. Now, um, how good of a coach is Harbaugh? Because when you think about what he did at the Cleveland... two years. Not just in Michigan, though. Yeah, but I'm just saying, right now, two years, Michigan was a joke two years ago. Yeah. You know, you think about, uh, I think it was Rodriguez or something like Rich that. Rich Rod. Yeah. Right, Rich Rod. And last year, if it wasn't for a fluky um, punch situation for Michigan State, they would have been in the national championship the first year. Now they're knocking on the door. They may find themselves on the outside. You know, now they're fifth. They, but he's a rare guy. He's done it at both levels. Man, With San the Forty Niners, San Diego State was the, the, the was the first. It thing. wasn't even San Diego State. It was like San Diego. I think it was the University of California, San Diego, or it's something. A, I think it was San Diego State. It was. Well, I'll look this up. I right think Delight now. Lowry came. No, the Delight Lowry came from the Blue and Yellow team, but he it was San Diego State. I think the place where uh, uh, not where Fisher Marshall, is. Marshall Falk. No, 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 no. It's. Uh, I think it's. And then it was Stanford. Right. Then it was San Francisco. Yes. And now it's Michigan. And listen, it takes a very unique coach to be successful on both levels. University of San Diego, 2004 to 2006. Okay. Yeah. 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 He, the guy can coach, man. You know, but he's one of those guys, you know, he's perfect for college because he can't wear you out as fast. You know, the dude is like nonstop. He goes, goes, goes. Um, but he, he can't wear you out as much there as he can, you know, uh, in college because what happens is right when you get tired of him and ready to have some confrontation with him, you graduate. You know what I mean? Sometimes with the pros, you know, you hear that message for 10 years, he's a very demanding coach, you know, and he can wear his assistants out. Sometimes he can wear his players out. He is amazing. And just he's, that, he's a machine, you know, man. He's crazy. He was crazy as a player. He, he, has an energy, he has an energy and passion and enthusiasm. But you know who's the craziest, the liveest one? Their dad. 
It's Kansas, man. I don't know what this dude is. He reminds me of the Juice Man. Yeah? Remember the Juice Man? Like, duh, we got the fresh juice. <laughs> remember he had the, it's like his eyebrows always grew. Yeah. He's built all the infomercials. He had the jumpsuit. Yeah. You know his dad's like the Juice Man. Let's just go. Let's go. Let's go. He like, got constant energy man, all the sometimes time. Sometimes his dad used to speak to us, man. I swear to God, it was like, uh, what's the kid, um, what's the comedian that used to smash the, um, the um, watermelon? Not Caratop. No, no, the other guy. It was a guy where he was bald head. He had the long hair, the big mustache. He used to smash the tomato. No. Oh, I know who you're talking yeah, about. Yeah. Being in the front row, listening to his dad talk like that, you're going to get wet because there's going to be saliva all over the place. He's, he's swinging, throwing punches at Gallagher. Him. Yeah, Gallagher. He's throwing <laughs> punches. You're going to get wet up. You know what I mean? You, you might want to bring your raincoat because he's going to spit on everybody. What's the brother like? John, John, yeah. John is a little bit more measured, but he's just as intense. Uh, he's funny, you know, but, you know, those two guys are over the top. He's the calmest of the two. He's the calm one. Anybody knows knows uh, um, Jim, you know, they know that, you know, John, you know, they know that he's fiery too. Yeah. You know, former special team coach, so he kind of has that fire passion like that. He has appreciation for the bottom of the, of the roster as well. You know, but he's one of those you know, guys too, man. He's very demanding. Listen, he's very demanding. That whole, who got it better? Like, they're crazy, man. But you got to love it. Gallagher. Gallagher's funny. So. Okay, so we'll think about the hard boss with Gallagher. I all of them are spitters, though. You, you, I, I, they can't, you just got you can't sit in the front row yeah, when, juicy, they're, when they're speaking. Know, I don't know if they got starbursts in their mouth or what, man. They just spit everywhere. Uh, Harbaugh and Urban Meyer were born at the same hospital. No, did you know funny. that? No, I did not. It's amazing, man. The six degrees of separation. Now those two guys. That's great for that, that for that conference too. It's great. College license. Um, and then Harbaugh had success at the pro level. And then what do you think about what Saban's doing in Alabama? Do you think he'd ever return to the NFL? He can't. He can't. He's not built for it. Some guys aren't built for the NFL, and Saban can't. Why can Harbaugh succeed at the NFL, but Saban he couldn't? Well, you want, well, that's an easy question because yeah. he, he played. So he can connect with the player. Okay. Because he's telling you to do something that he did. Yeah. He's lived that life, so he has a certain amount of respect. Saban can't handle the one thing that all college coaches, mean college coaches that go to the pros must handle. The why. Yeah. Certain guys can't handle the why, because when you go when you talk to a college student, it's just sir. When you talk to a professional, uh, okay, you want us to do it that way. Yeah. But why? Right. Explain to me why. Because I'm here because I've been successful and I'm great at what I do. So now if we're going to do something a certain way, you got to explain to me why. Yeah. And some coaches can't handle that. They want to say because I said so. But, but they don't understand at the pro level, my success and your success are linked. First, they may cut me. Then they're going to fire you. Or the players are more empowered in the pros. They may fire you. Right? Yeah. yeah. You know, luck ain't getting fired. Pagano will get fired. So some coaches can't handle the why. Bobby Petrino couldn't handle the why. Now, you know what? Let me go down to these 18-year-olds that I can hold this nugget over their head that say, listen, I'll bench your butt, and you'll have to drop down and transfer. Can't scare a professional like that, hmm. right? Because guess what? My career can go as longer than four years, so you can't, you can't hold that, oh, I won't play you, and then you got to transfer, and it's hard for you to go somewhere else to play, and then you will miss out on your career and miss your opportunity. Will you ever go back, you think? Nah, he ain't ready for that life. Can't handle that. Can't handle it. Will you ever take another It's too coach? old for that. 
You think he'd ever take another college coaching job? You know what I was thinking about? Yeah, yeah, he's one of those guys that wear out and he needs a challenge. You know what I was thinking about when uh, all this stuff was going on with Texas? Is that if you're Texas and you had so much money and you decided you were going to let go of Charlie Strong, why not give Saban a call and say, hey, $10 million a year? Well, he had, it has to be $10 million a year because it has to be more than Harbaugh who makes $9 million a year. But, you know... Um, and Herman's, it's just very interesting they, the I way think, how think, it works with college. I think Her, I think they, they see the future with Herman, yeah. right? You know, um, Nick Saban had to bring in Kiffin to try and modernize their offense, right? Because yeah. he's great defensively, but he's kind of out of touch with the trends, the Chip Kelly. The, you know, you can't be as, you know, like Chip Kelly or like Baylor, but you want to have a system that has some of those elements in it, yeah. right? So, so you think that was a key hire for him? Oh, yeah, it's perfect because for them, look what he's done with Houston. So you get from better athletes doing the same philosophy, how quick he was able to turn Houston around. Now they're saying, okay, we, here's a guy that's been in the living rooms in Texas parents' high schools and has that connection because he's been recruiting in Houston. Oh, I was saying about Kiffin, but, yeah, Herman is definitely yeah, I'm good. I'm talking about Herman. Yeah, Herman, Kiff, Herman, Kiff. Herman is definitely a good fit at Texas. I mean, that one guy on the interior defensive line, I believe his name was Ed Oliver, he was like a five-star recruit. Who went to Houston? And no knock on anybody yeah, man, listening. Like, whoa, 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 how did you go to Houston? Yeah, if you can recruit guys to play at Houston, you can recruit guys to play at UT. And he's got the Ohio State background. He's a coordinator for yeah. uh, there as well. well won't so. take him. Won't take him long. You don't think so? Take him two years. Two years. It'd be the same turnaround like Harbaugh going there, because that offense. We know they can get the athletes. Now it's dynamic. You know, it's it's not hard to sell a university that kids and parents dreamed about going to. Yeah, it's hard to sell Houston. It ain't hard to say, okay, well, Ricky Williams went here, Earl Campbell went here, Vince Young went here. This is blah 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 blah. Look at the stadium. Look at all this money. Look what we got. You want to go there? And from just wh- so you can do the hook 'em horns. <laughs> from what everybody says, is that roster is built to win now, and you can out athlete people at UT and things like that. So. He's coming in inheriting a program that Charlie recruited well, and just haven't found a way. Didn't to, have that to success. Get, get to production, yeah, you know right. I mean? So, but holy and on his feet, he seems like a good guy. He's so widely respected throughout. You hear people talk about Charlie Strong. Yeah, you know. But everybody, it's tough to be a head coach and and, and to you know supervise everything. Some guys are just you know. You look at Wade Phillips. He was great. He was decent as a as a head coach, but. Special as a coordinator. All right. So, Sunday morning, like I said, you'll be back. Jets flight plan, 11.30 a.m. And we're going to be breaking down Darren Lee, yeah, who man. I think played very well against the Patriots. It's just not about tackles. I just thought he was very active from the linebacker you need, spot. You need, you need that energy. The light bulb's on. Yeah. It, it, but just give uh, fans a little sneak preview of what they can check out on Sunday uh, because uh, – Late in that game, it's a fourth and four, and we went to we the telestrator here and broke it down for like a half an hour, different angles. And you were, you were bringing the light, man, because from a you played inside linebacker in the National Football League, you know exactly what it takes. And you looked at a play where Tom Brady lined up in the gun, fourth and four. The Jets got a chance to get off the field. They get about four and a half yards or five as. Um, Darren Lee got over and made the tackle, just not in time. Yeah, it's about the details, right? It's about inches. and you, It's funny, you think about any given Sunday, you, it's about inches, the game of inches. And about 
20 inches cost cost the Jets the opportunity. Yeah. Right? And it's not about the inability to make the play. It's about the technique and awareness. This thing is 80% mental. We know he has the athleticism and the raw ability, but now we just have to fine-tune it and polish up that diamond. And that comes with time. Yeah, and, 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 and experience. And sometimes you get that experience in the game, you get that experience in practice. This is his first time going against Tom Brady. Now he understands what he's dealing with. He understands he has to think on the next level. you got to think, not just react. you got to be proactive, not reactive. And, you know what and, I mean, and if he wants me to tutor him, if he wants to learn from me, you know, I'm always open. I'm a jet for life, baby. And angles. I coach you up. And, you know, I can, I can, do, I can be a part-time coach. All right. Be a part-time about, coach. How, how about like Monday that? and Tuesday, he, I'll coach. I'm always looking for a job. Angles and leverage is so important in the NFL. And, and being around you more this year than the past uh, couple years is that that's one thing that I'm repeatedly uh, reminded of each and every week. You get up there and say, where's the angle? Where's the leverage? Is he coming inside, coming outside? What are you showing? What is that tipping off to somebody like a guy like Brady? Pre-snap recognition, understanding your own scouting report, what do they say you can't do, right? And you have to understand situational football. And that's something that comes with being around tremendous teachers and learning, and it's a process. But you want to speed that process up so that you can improve as a player and so that you can help your team win and that you can elevate your status and your respect around the league. You know, I never wanted to be – I never cared about being popular with fan bases, right? I didn't care about the popularity contest. But what I wanted to do is for my, you know, my opponents to turn on the film and say, hey, this guy's a high percentage decision maker, and he's a real man. So I don't care what people think because I tell people all the time, the easiest thing to get in life is numbers. Yeah. But who are you willing to sell out to get them, right? And the fans may respect somebody that gets the numbers, but the players respect the guy that's willing to sacrifice for his brother and do the heavy lifting sometimes. Just as being just excited about my teammates' success as I am about mine. And sometimes we all have to jump on a grenade to let our teammates shine. And what some of these players understand that, you know, that's when you get a team. That's when you get a bond. That's when you can say, hey, David, who doesn't talk to anybody, <laughs> hey, I, I, I want to do an interview for Jet Life. And he says, no problem. Yeah. That's earned. That's not given. Respect across this league when you turn on the film and you see a guy coming down and hitting a guy square in the eyes and saying, that was good. I want some more. Let's do it again. That's fun. And it's one of those competitive things. At the end of the day, you may not like playing against them, but you respect them. Like, you know what? That's a man right there. No moral victories in the National Football League. Jets are 3-8. and eight, But did you like the spirit and the energy they play with coming off the bye? It's natural. Yeah. And I'm not giving them any awards. They, 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 had, they had a lot of energy. They played with a lot of passion. They were excited. Yeah. You know I mean, this was a game that you get up for no matter what. When I, whether I was here or I was in Baltimore, when it was Pittsburgh or Patriot Week, it's one of those weeks that's special. It's special when you play somebody all the time and it's such a familiarity there that, you know, you know it's going to come down to a play here or play there. Sometimes you win, sometimes they win. But it's always fun in the process because it is not about what place I am in a division. It's about going about against somebody that you hate but you respect. Now the key for these guys in the locker room right now is they obviously responded to Todd Bowles. And I anticipate 
they're going to play well down the stretch and get a couple wins here. But they got to bottle that up now and play Monday night against the Colts and get an opponent they don't face a lot and say, hey, listen, it's Monday night football. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it, it, it's time. We just got to get it's a win. It's Monday night, man. Yeah. Like, you're, Enough playing, said. you're playing in front of your peers. Yeah. Like, this is where you get that respect. Like, man, you see this Quincy Noah? Yeah. Man, I, I haven't had a time because we play at the same time. I really want this two's a beast. He's a stretched out brand. Uh, he's a stretched out Anquan Bowden. Same arm size though. Man. I'm not gonna slice. You know, he may be taller than Twan. He's but, bigger than him. But no, no, not the not big, not I'm physically. Talking, no, yeah, I'm talking about. Yeah, the arms are the same. Yeah, they both got a gun show. They both can put on a gun show. And, and you, the way you played, gotta love the way a new approaches the offensive game because. He's, he's so excitable, and you can feel the stadium he's a, he's an gravitate guy. towards him and his teammates. When we were breaking down that film, when he beat Malcolm Butler in the first half on a one-on-one, mm-hmm. you saw Sheldon Richardson right on the sideline, right there, clapping in his face. You, you, had, you, you always have teammates like that, and I was one of those guys, man, that like tried to make everything fun, play with an energy and a passion that you know was contagious. You know, and sometimes energy and passion can go a long way, especially on the defensive side of the ball when it's not so much about the X and O's, it's about the um, effort and the pursuit can cover up a lot of sins. And and lastly, the Jets play Andrew Luck. they got a a week to prepare for him. But I don't want to get too much into the X's and O's of that matchup. Rather, what you just talked about. Physicality, man. This This dude's been softened up for years. You know, last year he had a lacerated organ. This year, you know, he's out for the concussion. You got to let him know this is going to be a long day. And he's a guy that's resilient. But he has started to show kinks in the armor. He's taken a lot of hits. No quarterback has been hitting more, I believe, in the last three years than Andrew Luck. And they got to make sure that this one may be the all-time hits record. It ain't about sacks. It's about getting him off his spot and knocking him down. Can they take anything away from the way they played defensively against the Patriots? Because... Yes, they uh, gave up the late score, but Earl, they were very good yeah. on third down throughout that ball game. Bart, What's they the, also got pressure at times. I know they didn't have yeah. the sack numbers, and people. It's got, not always about sack numbers. It's yeah. about hits on the quarterback. Right. Their body blows, and what they're going to have to do is make sure because they're de- they're dealing with a different beast. This guy is a guy that's mobile. Brady won't take off. This guy take off. So you got to be disciplined in your rush lanes. You can't pre- present short edges or open edges or lanes for him to throw through. You got to make sure that, you know, you're, you're sound and, and disciplined in, in, in your uh, pass rush. Make sure that you keep him and make him have to throw it from, from a uh, phone booth. And then when you get an opportunity, you got to put him on the ground. And you got to soften him up some more. And hopefully, you know, he starts to see the pass rush and not looking so much down the field. And then that's when you got him. Once he starts to see the pass rush, he's going to miss open guys. So now it takes a lot of pressure off your off your coverage units because he's looking. And even when you're not coming, you know, with pressure or uh, all-out uh, blitz or uh, a four-man rush, you dropping, you're only rushing three, that internal clock in his head is telling him, I've been hit so many times, he's starting to hear the steps, even though they may not exist. Yeah, I anticipate a great effort from the Jets, and I think they're going to win this game, and then we'll see what happens from there. Uh, just wanted to get your thoughts. Uh, lastly, uh, your final four playoff teams. What's going to happen this weekend? By the time we get here next week, who are you going to be your final four in the NCAA? Because we talked a little bit about college football today mm-hmm. with Ohio State and yep. Michigan. 
Alabama in regardless of what they do against Florida. Yeah. And I want the Florida, but I don't think the Gators have. That would be a monstrous upset. Yeah, yeah. So Alabama's in. Alabama's in. Clemson's in. Oh, so Clemson will will be a tricky game with Virginia Tech or no? It'll be tough, but, you know, they got experience. And, you know, they, they don't always win pretty, but, you know, I think that I think they're in. Um, oh, oh, so Clemson then. It's interesting is this Ohio State thing, man. So oh, yeah, Ohio State does not play this week. They're right. not in the Big Ten title game. Right. That's if Penn State and Wisconsin. State wins, and now we have a, a tough decision. It's going to be interesting what the committee sees, you know, because Penn State won the head to head. They win the conference championship. They got the same record. Right. Why wouldn't they be one of the best teams? Okay. Well, before we get that, Washington beat. Up on Washington State in the yeah, Apple but, Cup. But, but yeah, I'm not, yeah. You're not a listen. It's I not, has nothing to do. With, listen, I I, did, I went to 13th grade. I really didn't go to college, so I got no horse in the race. Right? Yeah, I know. But okay, so if Washington beats Colorado, are they in? Man, they got a light schedule, man. Who's Colorado? Like strip a schedule. Like who have they beaten? I know, but it's Colorado's going to enter that game a, a top yeah. ten team. No, be putting Boise State I think in. Washington has to be in. I mean, hell, last year Washington didn't 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 Houston go undefeated last year? Hasn't Baylor gone undefeated before? No, Baylor's always lost the game. We've always lost the game. We've had an undefeated team before. I mean, hell, that's, we gonna start talking about Western Michigan? But you think Penn State? No. Right, that just but it's a tough decision because of what are you saying? You're saying you don't value conference championships. I do. You don't value head to head. If we got the same record and I beat you, then that automatically means that but I Penn, should be Penn, in before you. Penn State has two losses. And so does Ohio State. Ohio State has one. They lost to Penn State. Ohio State has one loss. Penn State lost to Pitt and they got beat up by Michigan. Hold on. Did, didn't, didn't Pitt beat Ohio State? No. No, Pitt didn't play uh did Pitt didn't play. Pitt beat Ohio two State. big team teams. Pitt beat Clemson. Oh, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So now that Pitt loss doesn't seem as bad. No, but it's still two losses. Yeah, yeah. I hear you. So you don't know. Yeah. Do I you? Mean, I don't know, and I, <laughs> I don't get paid to know, so I'm not going to stress myself about it. But you almost made me have an aneurysm trying to figure this thing out. All right, that's fine. We'll talk about it next week. That's Bart Scott. <laughs> we'll see. We'll just talk about how they messed up. No matter what, they can't be right. <laughs>